Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. Real inspiration for real innovators. If you're looking for innovation and leadership transformation, your journey starts now. Welcome to the Innovation Meets Leadership Podcast. I'm your host, Natalie Bourne. This week, I'd like to welcome Bangladesh, Ireland, and Bulgaria to the list of the 30-plus countries listening from around the world. It would mean so much to me if you would spread the word by following at Innovation Meets Leadership on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and give us a shout out so we know you're listening. I'm excited to welcome back two of my guests from season one, Lori Halter, the owner of Charisma Communications, and Ilana Shevtai, the director of marketing for Auto Lead Star. Welcome, ladies. Thanks so much. I'm excited to be on. I'm so excited to be back. Thank you for the invitation. Today, we have a very special episode in store for our listeners. As we know, we're going to continue celebrating the Women's History Month, which I'm super excited about. But also for our male listeners, I want to encourage them to check this episode out too and lean into what women leaders are thinking. And as we think about 2020 and all that it held, I'm excited to look into what 2021 is going to look like as a year. But I think that what I'm hoping to do today is really inspire leaders to understand that if they experience setbacks in 2020, that it could really just be setups for the future. And so I wanted us as leaders, as women to kind of get into this roundtable and take some time to talk about our own setbacks in our career, which, yeah, look, hello, we're about to get super vulnerable. But I think it's really important for us to understand that not every setback is a bad thing. And I think that for so long, we've looked at setbacks as um, showstoppers. And I'm hoping that we can change people's lens on setbacks. So Lori, I would love if you would just talk a little bit about how setbacks have shaped your career and have they changed the way you lead? What, what have they done to kind of shape your experience? Yeah, I, I love this episode. I'm so glad I'm on for this one because I don't really believe in setbacks, even as setbacks. I, I really do think of them as gross. So I'm so excited you're you're tackling this. My biggest setback goes all the way back to when I started my agency, which was in 2003. And I call this setback because I was at a company at the time, Chrome Data. I was doing really well. Within three years, I had really moved up the ranks. I'd had like three or four different promotions. And within three years, I was the director of all marketing communications. And I was 23 at the time. So to be that age and be the director of marketing was a huge success for me. But personally, I just really struggled because I was feeling like I just wasn't the nine to five person. I was, I was really having a hard time with not doing my own thing. And I just felt like I could do so much more creatively. So. I went to my manager at the time, my boss, and said, look, I am just really having a hard time with this. I know you've given me so many opportunities. And this was during a time when she really was prepping me to take over marketing. She was had put a bunch of education and development into me. But I explained kind of where I was at, and she actually let me go so I would get severance paid and then they became my first client of my agency. So for me, that kind of has always stayed with me, like just following my gut and saying, I, this doesn't feel right. And I know that this doesn't feel right actually turned into a really wonderful solution for me. I love that because, you know, what I hear too is like there was a corporate ladder that you could have climbed and you would have done really, really well at it. And jumping off the ladder to take a different path seems like it would have really been a bizarre thing for most people to do yeah. when in the light of your career 
really, really going well. Um, so thank you for sharing that because I feel like there's probably a lot of people that are listening right now that want to start their own business or they want to kind of cut their own path, and but there's fear. Right. Absolutely. I guess I've always been of the mindset, and Alana, I, I know you share this because you and I have talked about this, but the worst thing that can happen is you're right back where you started, right? In terms of <laughs> what you're going after. So if that's the absolute worst thing, you know, why not? Yeah. What about you, Alana? I love that, Lori. Thank you for sharing that story. I've heard that on another podcast and I just, every time you tell it, it's so inspiring. So I, I love that. Thanks. I think most people think of setbacks as just like something that didn't go the way that you wanted it to go. And, and that's, I guess, where my example comes from. Of course, that's not what we want. And, and we're here today to talk about how we can change that. But kind of a non-traditional answer for me is, is an example from the army. So I was in the, the IDF, the Israel Defense Forces, for two years. I did basic training and then I did the, an instructor's course training. And I knew I was going to be in, an instructor somewhere. Um, I didn't know where, and I got positioned to be an instructor for the Iron Dome. It's an anti-aircraft, basically, machine built by Israel, and I was so excited for that. And then last minute, the Army basically pretty much abruptly changed my specialty to being a shooting instructor. And to me, I was like, oh my gosh, my, what am I going to do? My life is over. Um, I hated shooting. I didn't want to learn anything about it. It was a setback for me in the sense that like, you know, I didn't get what I had requested and, and abruptly and last minute they had changed my, my um, station. So what ended up happening was I, I got the opportunity to, to go off base somewhere else, which is where the shooting course happens. Um, I got exposed to more uh, leadership, to different type of management, of philosophies, people, diversity, and it ended up being such an amazing switch and I'm very grateful for it. But that's just something that I think about when I think about like a, a setback in, in something that I was dedicated to. And I think in terms of leadership, it's certainly given me perspective on how to deal with unexpected change and certainly how to guide others with unexpected change and, and situations like that. And I think oftentimes these things happen for a reason and with every situation comes opportunity. And that's exactly how we need to look at it. And that's how I help uh, guide and train my teams now. So it, it certainly set me up for that kind of mentality. I love that. And, you know, kind of like when I hear your story, I almost, it feels like there's like a path that you were on and you kind of got pushed onto a different path. And I know oftentimes when that happens to us, like we honestly don't like change, especially when we have our sights set on something. I think we as just humans don't want to let go of the vision that we had for ourselves. And sometimes when we're knocked off course, it can feel a little bit like the end of the world. And I just love hearing your perspective on that whether it's I'm climbing a corporate ladder and I'm making the decision to jump off or whether it's I wanted and had sights on one thing and it ended up being turning into something else. And I just, I just love your perspective on, on both of you of how you've approached that. Yeah. I mean, I, I love Alana's example as well. I, I just think it's so cool that there's two very different examples and they both showed growth in different ways. So I love it. I've got to share this example real quick. So early in my career, I was probably like in, in it, actually, it was right around the economic crash, 2008, 2009. I got moved off of a team I loved being on to a different team. And I had a really bad attitude about it. And as a matter of fact, I, I went out to coffee with one of my mentors and he sat me down. I remember him giving me this um, worksheet called John Maxwell, The Crucible. And he like 
sat there with me and, and helped me work through it. And then he looked up when I looked up at him and was done with the worksheet. He said, I'm going to tell you this. This is going to be some of the best advice I can ever give you. Either get over this or you need to leave because your attitude is going to destroy your legacy. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. <laughs> pretty powerful, pretty harsh, but I absolutely love the tough love. Yeah. So what did you do? Did you get over it? I got over it pretty quickly. <laughs> And you know what? That job ended up being one of the best moves in my career, but I didn't know it because I was so stuck in holding on to the past that I wasn't able to let go of that vine to grab the next vine and really swing strategically into my future. That ended up being one of the best career moves in my whole entire life. And I didn't even see it coming. And and therefore I wasn't willing to embrace it. And it's just so crazy to look back on that moment and him just kind of like shaking the the kind of like, hello, wake up, you know? And just like, even if you don't like the job and you leave, if you leave with a good attitude, your, your legacy will still be intact. But if you have a crappy attitude about this, like you're just, you're not gonna get anywhere in your career, period. Oh my gosh, Alana and I were just talking about this the other day, how like, basically we're in the job of building relationships with people and that the relationship is so much more important than whatever setback you're facing. And I cannot tell you how many times in automotive, this has come, it's come back to me in some way that like building that relationship and maintaining the relationship is more important than whatever setback has occurred. I totally agree with that. And it's something that I often tell my team as well. It's, it's everything that happens with anyone that you're building a professional relationship with, you can learn from and you can grow from as long as you're focused on building that relationship and not some end goal that might not be exactly how you had imagined it. That's so good. Like, what do you think are the skills that leaders need to have as they think about, Setbacks, Lori, I heard you kind of saying it like one of the things that we want to have as a skill is probably not to think of everything that hits us in life as a setback because that actually shapes our mindset on it, doesn't it? Yeah. I mean, and this goes right along with what we were discussing. For me, it all, it begins and ends with relationships. So as long as I think of everything as a relationship and, you know, actually you both are testaments to this. I've worked with you now in two different roles, two different companies. And Natalie, we worked together in automotive tech and now you're in a completely new company and we're both doing podcast interviews together. So I think it's just a perfect example for me, like a leadership quality, I think, staying flexible, staying patient, um, pivoting when needed. But my highest goal is just keeping that relationship alive and remembering at the end of the day that there's people on the other end of these emails and phone calls and, you know, clubhouse rooms. These They're people with lives and families and feelings. And I think um, as I've kept that sort of the really pinnacle of what I do in business, it just has really served me well over the last two decades that I've had my agency. It's really good. What are your thoughts, Alana? It's interesting because this whole past year and a half has kind of changed what we've thought as effective leadership. Um, and I feel like it's it's opened my eyes to the fact that you can be a sympathetic and an understanding leader, but you can also still have high expectations and be growth oriented. And I feel like we have this like stigma of you can only be one or the other. And I need to break that down for, especially for the listeners today. I want to open that up. I feel like you can have both and you should find yourself to be in an environment where you have both. Like you, you still need to be pushed, but you also need to be in a tolerant uh, environment and understanding and flexible um, so that you can grow personally and professionally. Yeah. And can I say, <laughs> we need to reiterate something you just said, because it was pretty powerful. 
I think that if we are in roles where we're not feeling uncomfortable and where there's not some form of like, yeah, I probably failed at that, then we're probably not growing at all. And you have to be in an environment and a company that encourages that growth, even in understanding that, hey, you're not going to get it right 100% of the time. Yeah, I I 100% agree with that. And I think it's okay to say, wow, I totally failed at that. If anything, I think it's actually great because one, being able to recognize failure, I think is is one part of that equation. But the other part is also um, growing and and challenging yourself and making sure that you're in an environment where you're not going to know all the answers. That's so good. What are your thoughts, Lori? I totally and completely agree. I mean, I think if you're feeling stagnant or you're feeling like you're not being challenged in your business or your career, then that is not good. And you need to take a look at why you're still there and why you're doing the same thing. I mean, even with careering, I started that a year and a half ago, my podcast, and I've been so blessed to have this great agency for a long time. I I think I'm coming up on my 18th year owning the agency. And I just felt very, um, I felt kind of stagnant. I mean, I I really enjoy working with the clients I work with. I, I get to introduce and launch new tech all the time. But I did feel like I needed some type of push or something outside of my business as it's always been done mentality to keep moving forward. And the podcast was really what it is. So I think the important point here is it doesn't necessarily have to come from work. I think it should to continue growing and moving forward and and challenging yourself. But if you're in a position where you really feel like for whatever reason, you can't do that at work you know, look to your personal life, look to your hobbies, look to things you can do to create that spark somewhere else. That's so good. You know, I'm thinking about this whole idea of um, just the growth mindset versus the fixed mindset, which comes from a book written by Carol Dweck, which is really good. And what I find is that oftentimes we kind of say we don't have a fixed mindset because we may actually have a growth mindset in some areas, but then in other areas, it's really fixed. And I think it's like, you can sit in two spaces at once. So you can have in your work a growth mindset when it comes to certain things and a fixed mindset when it comes to other things. Have you guys found this to be true in your own lives? And how have you broken out of that fixed mindset when you've found that you're having that? Yeah, I mean, definitely for me, like talk about the lessons we've learned this last year and in 2020. I have always had a really tough time with any type of criticism, even even if it's been constructive. To me, it's been really difficult. So personally, this last year, I've really been trying to lean into the fact that criticism isn't necessarily a bad thing, that, it's, that someone's giving you a direction on where they want you to go. And the other thing I've really been working on is like conflict resolution and the way that I communicate with folks to fix those issues. Cause I just have this tendency to start becoming really defensive. If anyone even questions anything I'm doing. <laughs> so I'm working very hard to break out of that and really see that any criticism of, you know, my writing or my work or the pitching to really be like a nice direction of where I need to go and to look at the way that I'm responding to that and work on that communication style. That's been a personal really (laughs) tough lesson for me in 2020 that I'm working on in 2021. That's so good. Oh my goodness. And so vulnerable. Thank you for that. Yeah. What about you, Elena? As you were asking the question, I was racking my brain and I was thinking, 
So where I really have a growth mindset is constructive criticism and taking feedback. And I love love that Lori said that. And actually it shows, it just shows that like you can have, there's professionals of all spectrum. And anyway, I love that it's the complete opposite. I really thrive off of feedback and I just feel like it's, it's a place where I'm really strong. And then there's other places. And I think you're right, Natalie, where where you, you can sit in two places. Like I can be growth mindset when it comes to that and then completely fixed mindset when it comes to other things. And a good example for me is just when I know that I'm not good at like a, a hard skill type of task that someone else on the team is good at, it's very easy for me to delegate that off when really I, I feel like I should be pushing myself and challenging myself to at least, you know, try it or uh, consult with someone as opposed to delegating. And just like a very tactical example of that is like Dex, you know, as director of marketing and as someone who speaks and presents a lot, I'm constantly putting together Dex. And I feel like I have the content and I know what I want to say and I know the story I want to tell, but I can't like, I just can't put it together in a powerful deck. And, and there's people on my team that are so good at it. And I just, I really need to learn from them instead of being like, hey, can you do this? So really, really having a more of a growth mindset when it comes to that is something that I'm going to be working on and that I'm trying to be very aware of. I love that because I can see that in myself too of areas where I just, I'm not good at it. And so it's easier just to say here versus like, hey, let's sit down and talk about it together. Let's collaborate. And maybe I can, some of what you're doing can rub off on me <laughs> so that I can understand it better. But but I just I just love your thought leadership around that. Okay, since so, so since I forced you guys to share something, I probably need to share an area where I don't have a growth mindset. And so for me, um, I think when I get really stressed, I get very frustrated, and I'm I feel like I'm a lot more like on edge or snappy. And the reason why I think that is a growth mindset opportunity is because our attitude is everything, and it kind of goes back to what you're saying, Lori, about relationships, like beyond the jobs, beyond the work you're doing, like the relationships are what last. Um, I think about people that I led 10 years ago, um, you know, that it's not about if they were the best employee or not. It's really about the relationship. And, And they may not have been in the right role in the right company or sitting in the right seat, right? And so where it may not have been the best fit when you worked with them, they go somewhere else and they're just killing it and they're amazing. And so at the end of the day, it's it's preserving the relationship. It's caring about relationship over the work. And so me being very type A, I really have to stretch myself to lean into the relationship. Yeah. But you know what's so cool about that is that actually goes both ways. Like I love that you brought that up because I just hadn't, for example, I will not name names, but I did have someone I work with just last week who sent me an email that was really uncharacteristic of them. Um, and it was really short and kind of, it was surprising to receive it. But then I really thought about this person and what they'd done. They'd been traveling, they were doing biz dev. They, you know, there were just a lot of things that I knew on the personal side that if I did not know them on a personal level, I wouldn't have known. And I kind of was like, okay, I'm going to give them a pass because they're obviously dealing with a lot this week. And I don't think this really necessarily has to do with me. So I think I love that you said that. And I think it goes both ways. Like we can also look at people's interactions with us and say, okay, wait, let me take myself out of just how this is affecting me and try to think of like, what is their week looking like? And when they sent this, what was kind of their mindset when sending this? That's so kind of you. (laughs) (laughs) 
you have to be super strong person in order to do that. And I think it's a, a really good piece of advice for people who um, react to that sort of stuff without necessarily thinking about the the bigger picture. So I appreciate you sharing that because again, I think like we got to be stronger than what's happening or what's coming at us in order to dissect something like that in that light. Yeah, thank you. And I think that also just goes to this growth mindset, right? If you if you come at it from that mindset versus I did something wrong. I mean, absolutely look at your behavior and your, you know, if things aren't up to par, you need to raise them to the correct level. But if you're doing that and you're getting this feedback that's sort of out of left field, I just really tried to step back and say, okay, let's look at the whole picture. What is going on right now? That's so good. You know, and to all my agitated folks out there that are listening, (laughs) you know, I also think that we have to set ourselves up each morning, each day to be in a growth mindset. So, you know, some of the things that just listening to other leaders who have been really effective in their career, it's like set the harder meetings up when you're more fresh so that you are more attentive and, you know, put on the back end of your day, things are a little bit easier and don't take as much of your brain power because sometimes part of the reason we can we can be agitated is because we are uh, taking on too much at a time where we're not at our best. And I think that's really important just to think about as well as we as we kind of think about setbacks because sometimes we're setting ourselves back and in our attitude. And and that's to me one of the most important things we bring to the table is is our attitude. Oh my gosh, yes. And the biggest lesson of all for me, do not send the email right away. Oh, so good. <laughs> if you're advocated and you put together an email, wait and read it an hour or two later. <laughs> I just had this conversation with someone on my team actually because you know, he was a little frustrated with something going on, you know, working interdepartment with different departments that, that can obviously happen. And I remember his immediate reaction was like, you know, let me, let me slack him. Let me, let me message him. And I was like, you know what? No, this is a recurring thing. Put 20 minutes on the calendar for tomorrow. So you can like think about it. Yeah. And don't send him anything about what the meeting is about. Just, you know, set the meeting and then approach the meeting with, you know, grace and, and patience and, you know, a little frustration, I, I think is fine as well, but just having that 24 hours to cool off and, and, um, approach it without, you know, writing something nasty and actually having a, a collaborative conversation. So that was actually a really good learning moment for him. And honestly, for myself, because I feel like I would have reacted the same way as my team. Like, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let me remember this moment for when this happens to me. <laughs> oh, completely. My Eureka has come after years and years and years of sending the email immediately and then regarding it later. Yeah. Yeah, it's so good. And I think that's something powerful that we can we can learn. So there's this like old song out there. It's like really old. So it's like something my dad always would say to me, which is like, and I don't even know how the song goes, but it says something like, one monkey don't stop no show. <laughs> and <laughs> it's the idea that like, you know, I I I see this all day where someone has a a bad, you know, meeting or interaction with somebody. And then they like in turn implode their day because of this experience they had with this one person. Like what's the best advice you would have for somebody on how to, we're kind of leaning into this idea of being triggered. Uh What are, what are some things that you guys do to, to, to step back when you get triggered? (laughs) Man, I'll tell you what, I'm still trying. I am still learning every day. I'm learning, but I think Right now, I'm really working on realizing when I'm being triggered, so not just reacting immediately. You know, like everything Alana is saying, take a step back, 
like I said earlier, I think really just trying to look at the entire situation as a whole, not just as it impacts me or affects me, but really looking at all players in the interaction and where they might be coming from. And then responding, taking the time to respond in the way that also feels authentic to me, though, because I think as women, we do this a lot. And I know I do this a lot. I'll catch myself apologizing for something that has absolutely nothing to do with me or nothing that I've done wrong, just to sort of get everybody on good footing again. And that's another thing I've been really working on is just if I'm not the reason that the whatever is happening, there is no need for an apology for me and no need for me to feel bad about the things that are going on. So I also just think about like realizing how you work within the dynamic and owning your part, but not over analyzing how you made it happen. Yeah, that's good. Cause I feel like you're saying don't internalize it and make it your own. Like if there is an issue, don't bring it in and make it yours too. Yeah. And I think if it is, if you are a part of that, by all means, like step up and accept responsibility. I think that's important, but you know, if you've looked at it from all angles, you're calm and you're still like, boy, I just really don't see how that has anything to do with me. Let it go. That's so good. What about you, Alana? I agree with everything Lori said. And just as a, an example to, to go off of the apology, um, the, the apology syndrome, let's call it, because I see it all the time and I'm guilty of it too, right? Especially with with clients or, um, you know, someplace where you feel like you have to kind of take the blame, even though it's not your fault. This is a a little tip that I I tell my team as well. Instead of saying, sorry for the wait, or, you know, a lot of times we're waiting on clients for something, right? And in the end, projects get pushed off because of our, our clients or because of something out of our control. And we end up saying, you know, sorry for the wait. I always say to them, change that to thank you for your patience. Don't apologize if you don't have to apologize thank them for their patience, acknowledge that there was some kind of delay, but don't apologize if you don't have to apologize because it puts you in this light of, of weakness almost. Again, all for apologizing and taking ownership when you when you need to and step up into that and, and be critical of yourself. That's, that's not what I'm indicating here, but don't over apologize if you don't have to and use things like thank you for your patience instead. Let's be honest. Like I, I think this is something that women deal with a whole lot, which is we can apologize for things that have nothing to do with us. And and then it, that can water down a real apology when we really do need to deliver one. And so I like what you're saying because you're leaning into the fact that when it's yours, take ownership, but don't keep picking up false responsibility and apologizing in places where you had nothing to do with that. So why, <laughs> like, why are we apologizing to apologize? I think it's more powerful apology when it's actually needed versus us just feeling like we have to apologize for existing, which a lot of a lot of people do. And it's something I think we need to eradicate from our language so that when we do apologize, it can be meaningful versus just always saying sorry. <laughs> it's pretty it's pretty normal. Yeah, I totally agree. And it also really weakens your message when you start with an apology. And the other thing women do uh typically more than than men is end their sentences in a question Mm. or in a, like a question type. So they'll, you know, they'll go up. I just was speaking with a woman the other day who her expertise was like the words we say and how we say them and how it comes across. And she was saying women typically apologize more and, and make things into questions that should just be statements. And after I spoke with her, I started looking at how often, paying attention to how often I do that. I do it multiple times a day. (laughs) So I've actively been trying to take that out of my communications, if not warranted. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, that's so good. 
Yes. And the other thing, and, and um, I'm sorry, I'm jumping in here. See, here, here we go. I'm, I'm sorry for jumping. Um, but I saw something else. I'm glad, I'm glad you guys got a kick out of that. Um, I saw something else that, that said uh, that women more than men, and, and men do this too, but something to, to be aware of is we put the word just into our requests or our sentences that also weaken um, what we're asking for, what we need. So I'm just checking in to see if you, you know, got the last email or I just wanted to start the meeting by, you know, talking about X, Y, and Z. And it, and we got to take that out of our lexicon um, because it weakens everything that we do. And women, I think, tend to do it more than men. But but again, what, men are guilty of it too. And we got to make sure that we take it out. It, it makes our sentences way more powerful when we take it out. It's funny you guys are saying this. I was I remember being at a wedding and when it was time for the bride to say I do, she said, I do. <laughs> you're no. like, and you're like, is this what's going to happen here? You know, you're like, why is she why is she answering in the form of a question? You know, it, but you're right. People do it. And I don't even think we know we do it or maybe it's something subconscious going on. They're still married. Thank goodness. It's been like 20 years. So I think they're fine. But it just really was funny to watch. Like, you know, the fact that we have these built in at the end of every sentence kind of go up. And even in the language, it's an apology for existing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you go up in your language and you talk, it's uh, it's almost like, is it okay that I'm here? Is it okay that we're having this conversation versus totally. just saying what you mean and meaning what you say? Yes, absolutely. Love it. All right. So final thoughts for our listeners. Have you ever had a setback that's inspired innovation? Yes. Okay. So this one was tough. I mean, I've had a ton of setbacks, but like I said, I I tend not, I try not to look at them as setbacks. I really, for most of my career, have tried to look at them as a pointing in a different direction. So one of my biggest weaknesses is probably knowing when I, it's time to delegate. So you guys were talking about delegate earlier, but even like hiring people on to my team that can kind of take on some of the, uh, I tend to want to be due to how relationship focused I am. I tend to want to be in all of my, I want to be everything to every client, to every editor, to every person who's working for me. And so I think one of my biggest setbacks has been, there was a time that I tried to grow too fast. I brought on three account managers And I lost a lot of clients because what had happened is I'd taken myself out of that forward-facing client interaction that they were used to. And I'd done it in the middle of some of these accounts. So this, I didn't start this way. (laughs) I tried to scale mid-project with a lot of these clients. And as a result, I lost a lot of clients. So what that taught me and how I moved forward with that is that I need to always be the forward facing, the, the face and voice of the company. And that's fine because that's my favorite role. But then the what prompted like the innovation was, okay, how, how do I put people in support roles behind the scenes to where I can continue kind of this relationship-based um, relationship with clients and editors, and but scale it? To where I can scale because we're all in the relationship business and um, it's tough to scale. So I would say that was mine, like just knowing when to add on to the team, when to make the jump to continue to add on to the team and where to place them to where it still feels like you're getting that one-on-one boutique type of feeling for the agents. So good. I won't use a career setback example necessarily, but there have been, you know, different setbacks in certain things that I've wanted to do within the marketing department, for example, projects um, that haven't really been approved because, you know, maybe they take too many 
resources. So an example of that is I put together a whole plan of how I wanted our, our lead nurture to look, which is, you know, our, our outreach to different types of prospects. And it required a lot of dev resources and product resources. And of course it was not, it was not approved or it were, it was like, yeah, you can get this done in six months. And so instead of just being like, all right, well, you know, I'll, I'll put this on hold for six months. Um, and this goes back to what Lori was saying about scaling, but figuring out how to scale it and still move forward with, with the project. So figuring out basically how to automate what I wanted without dev resources was the way that I went. And that was, to me, a way that Setback actually opened up a lot of innovation because in the end, it's really way more efficient anyway if we were able to automate something like a lead nurture campaign, but still keep it personalized. So um, doing the research and putting together the new project with automation again, without dev resources. So figuring out how to do it as a marketer was um, a really interesting way for me to see innovation come from a setback. I love that. And I love what I hear from you is like just being able to look at problems from different angles and not always try to apply the same principles over and over again, which is I need a dev, I need a dev, right? It's like, how can we solve this without development involved so that we can still get to the best possible outcome? Yeah. Well, thank you, Lori and Alana, for your time today. Thank you so much. This was a great discussion. Yeah, it was. Thank you. Well, to learn more about Lori Holter, follow her at charismacommunications.com, LinkedIn, and Twitter. And Alana Shabtai, you can follow her on LinkedIn and Clubhouse. And thank you to our listeners for joining the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Remember, don't just get out of the box, break the box and set it on fire. Let's go transform something. Thank you for joining us for the Innovation Meets Leadership podcast. Be sure to subscribe to our show on iTunes. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Innovation Meets Leadership. And visit our site at innovationmeetsleadership.com for more innovation resources. Today's sponsorship is brought to you by Territory Global. We work at the intersection of experience and imagination. We help you pinpoint problems and turn them into opportunities. We make Imagine happen. Some of the best organizations in the world choose us as their partner to help solve their strategy, innovation, transformation, story, and ways of working problems. Learn more at Territory.co.